Amen. Isn't it good to know that we have our Lord and Savior who will take our hand and guide us on. As the children are dismissing for Children's Church, if you would, turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, John chapter 21. As you know, for the last couple of weeks, we, uh, we've been looking at what happened after the resurrection. As I mentioned last week, we really focus on the resurrection as we should, but there's some uh, you know, important events that took place following the res- uh, resurrection of our Lord. And we looked at one last week, we're going to look at one this week, and we'll look at another next week, because these all, you know, are very important to us. John chapter 21, we're going to look at the first 17 verses there, but we're going to kind of split it up. But most all of us at one time or another has failed in our walk with the Lord. You know, we make promises to God. You know, maybe you've done this. Maybe you've made a promise to God and said, Lord, if you'll get me out of this time of trouble that I'm in, you know, if you'll just, you know, get me out of this financial bind, if you'll get me out of this situation with my children, if you'll get me out of this situation in my marriage, Lord, I promise that I will follow you. And what happens is we renege on those promises. You know, many times, you know, ministry. Lord, I commit to this ministry. Maybe we get excited in a, in a church service. Or maybe, you know, uh, you hear a message and you say, I do need to get involved in ministry. Lord, I'm going to commit to you to serve in this ministry. And what happens is we never carry it out. And what happens is as a result of both of those instances I gave you, people, they, they start feeling guilt about themselves. They start feeling guilty about this. And many of them are never able to accomplish anything from the Lord, you know, because Satan uses that failure to to, uh, get them down, to make them feel unworthy to be used of the Lord. Look, we will all at some time stumble in our faith. If you, uh, you two girls get set down somewhere, please. Okay. All right, we, we all, you know, sometimes stumble in our faith. What matters is what we do after we stumble. You see, but one thing we must understand is this. Even though we may stumble in our faith, and listen, this is one of those icebox statements you need to put on there. Even though you may stumble in your faith, that does not cancel your identity with the Lord. You are still a child of God's. He still loves you, and he still wants to use you. Look, in today's lesson, we'll see that Jesus forgives our past failures just as he did when he redeemed Peter of his mistakes. You know, he'll do that same thing for us. Now, let's look at this post-resurrection event that transpired and the lesson that Jesus taught Peter, the lesson that Jesus taught the rest of the disciples, and the lesson that this means for you and me. Verses 1 through 3, we see that Jesus found his disciples, now get this, in the same place that he called them out of. All right? After these things, verse 1, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and it was on this wise he showed himself. Now, that means here's how it went about. Here's how this went down. Verse 2. 
They were together, Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, talking about the other disciples. Remember, Peter was kind of the leader of the bunch. And Peter said, I'm going to go fishing. Well, now, isn't that something for a leader to do? He said, I'm going to go fishing. And they said, not a one of them said, wait a minute, the Lord is supposed to meet us here. Wait a minute, Pete, isn't this where Jesus told us to be and that he was going to be here? Not a one challenged him on it. What's it say? They said unto him, we're going to go with you. We're going to go with you. And they went forth and they entered a ship immediately. And that night, now this is important, they caught nothing. They fished all night, which was custom uh, of that day, fishing at night. They would take these lights and, uh, you know, lanterns and hang over and they would draw the fish. Many fishermen do that even today, I think, you know. They, they put lanterns out and it, it, it attracts the fish. But they fished all night long, we're told, and they didn't catch anything. Now, this encounter the disciples were about to have with Jesus would be the third time that he had met with them post-resurrection. In fact, if you'll look down at verse 14, it says, Now, this is the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Now, look, Jesus had commanded them to be in Galilee. We need to understand that. In fact, back in Matthew chapter 28, You know, after the second appearance of Christ to his disciples, Christ said this, he said, Then Jesus said unto them, Be not afraid, go tell my brethren that they should go to Galilee, and they will see me there. Now, it is true they was where they were supposed to be as far as location-wise. They were in Galilee where Jesus instructed them to be. But Jesus didn't tell them, When you get there, go fishing. He said, When you get there, expect me. When you get there, I will meet you there. But where were they? Were were they really expecting to meet Jesus again? Think about that. Did they really expect him to show up this third time? If so, my question would be, why were they out fishing rather than preparing a place of worship? Why were they out fishing rather than saying the Lord's going to be here the third time we get to see him after his resurrection? Let's get everything prepared. Let's build a fire. Let's, you know, let's get food ready. Let's, we're fixing the fellowship with the Lord. No. Let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. Look, let me give you three observations here prior to Jesus showing up. First of all, we want to look at Peter's proclamation here. Here's what Peter said in verse 3a. Simon Peter said to them, here's his proclamation, I go fishing. I go fishing. Look, Peter's announcement seems to have been made, I think, in a fit of hopelessness. I think Peter still, even after, you know, two times, I think Peter was still thinking to himself, you know, can this really be real? Is this, you know, is this really happening? And I think it was out of a fit of hopelessness. Look, Christ had told Peter and his companions to give up fishing. You remember when he called them, when he called every one of them who were fishermen, you know, he he said, leave this job, leave this vocation, and come and follow me. And what did he say? I will make you fishers of men. 
So they left that profession in order to become fishers of men. And what happens? Now they go right back to where they come from. Now they go right back to what the Lord had called them out to. And Peter made clear reference to this when he said, Lord, have we not given up all to follow you? They had given it up. But what do we see here? They went right back to it. We never hear of them working that old profession again for a living until now. Now, the second thing we see is this, the reaction of the others in verse 3b there. They said to him, we're going to go with you. We go with thee. Look, great leaders have a way of causing others to follow them, sometimes for good and sometimes for evil. So good leaders, and listen, listen, good leaders, and this includes fathers who are leaders of your home, okay? Listen, don't put this off on just pastors, okay? Any leader, and if you are the leader of your home, this applies to you. Because what we need to see here, you know, good leaders must understand that some people are easily influenced And what the leaders do, the others will do also. Okay? Listen, fathers, those who are here of dads, your children are going to do what they see daddy do. Your children are going to go where they see daddy go. Why? Because you are the leader. And when Peter said, I'm going fishing, why did the rest of them say we go too? Because Peter was the leader and they was going to follow him. So as a leader of your home, you need to understand those little chicks, chickadees that are following you, they're going to follow you wherever you go, whether it's good or whether it's bad. So as Peter, he could have easily led these disciples closer to Jesus. You know, had Peter said, guys, let's go prepare, you know, a feast for the Lord. Let's go to the mountain and wait on the Lord. Let's go where he first called us and wait on him. The rest of them would have said, we're going with you, Pete. You know, had Peter said, you know, I give up, the Lord's just not coming back. You know what the others would have said? We're with you, Pete. But Peter said, I'm going fishing. And their response was, we're going with you. Look, where are you leading those who are following you? Now, look, this applies for grandmas and grandpas, too, because those little grandchildren are watching you. And in many cases, here's the, here's, here's the problem. In many cases, that mom and dad ain't leading a good example as the leader. But they need to see grandma and grandpa leading in a proper way leading in a way that's going to bring them to the Lord. Now, the third thing here is this, the results of their not expecting Jesus. We see in 3C. They went forth, and they entered the ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Okay? They had expected to have a good catch, but they caught nothing. Look, here's one example out of many of Christ not allowing his disciples to prosper while they are not where he expects them to be. Now, don't miss this. It never ceases to amaze me how some people think the Lord should allow them to prosper even though they know they're not on the path that God would have them to be. Why do you expect God to prosper you when you're not even following him? 
Why, why do you expect God to prosper you when you're not where He has instructed you to be? Yes, they was in Galilee where He instructed them to meet Him, but He didn't say, I was going to meet you out on a boat. He had done called them off the boat. He purposed again to meet them in order to sacrifice his, re- I mean, to satisfy them of his resurrection and commission them to go and forth and preach the everlasting gospel. But rather than waiting on him for this most important meeting with the resurrected Lord in the place where they could have had an intimate time together, they were back doing the very thing that Jesus had called them out of. And because of that, they caught nothing. That's why they didn't catch nothing. Because they went right back to doing what Jesus Christ had called them out of. Now here's a thought. We should never go back to what the Lord has called us out of. Okay? And then expect Him to give us the blessings of life. If God has called you out of something, Stay out of it. If God has called you out of drugs, stay out of drugs. If God has called you out of alcoholism, stay out of alcoholism. If God has called you out of prostitution, stay out of prostitution. If God has called you out of pornography, stay out of pornography. Because when you go back to what God has called you out of, don't expect God to bless you with the blessings of life. And that's why they caught nothing. Because they went right back to what Jesus had called them out of. Now, let me give you three observations prior to Jesus showing up here. First of all, oh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, we, did, we just done that, didn't we? When Jesus uh, came upon them, he called them out as to how good their catch was. In other words, when Jesus walked up on the shore, he said, hey guys, how was your catch? Now, I think Jesus knew how the catch was because I think Jesus knew you're not where I told you to be, so you're not going to prosper, okay? You know, not knowing it was Jesus, they informed the stranger that was on the beach. You can read the whole story there. You know, that they had fished all night and they had caught nothing. And then calling out to them, Jesus instructed them, well, look, guys, why don't you throw your nets on the other side of the boat? And we're told in that story that they throw their, threw their nets on the other side of the boat and their nets were so full they couldn't even drag it in. Well, that caught the attention of John. That caught the attention of John. And John looks over and he says, Hey, Pete, it's the Lord. Now that got Pete's attention. So in the story there, you see what Pete does. He grabs his outer garment. He wraps it around himself. He bails off the ship. He uh, swims that hundred yards or so to the shore to where Jesus was. And Jesus already had some fish on the fire. He had already prepared the meal. Who should have prepared the meal? They should have prepared the meal because they should have been waiting on their resurrected Lord. But no. They were out doing what he called them out of. And because of that, they, were, they did not prosper. Now, this is where the Lord begins to redeem Peter. Okay? Redeem the mistakes of Peter. As you remember, before the crucifixion, Peter denied knowing Jesus. How many times? 
How many times? Need more than just a children's church teacher saying that. Uh, some of you ought to know that too. How many times? Three times. Okay. Peter denied Jesus three times. Now, don't miss this. We see Jesus posing a question to Peter three times. Okay? Um, look at verse 15. Go down to verse 15. So when they had dined, so Jesus had this meal prepared, done fried up some catfish, and, you know, uh, done, done, done got, maybe he even had French fries with it. Who knows? Anyway, he had a good meal prepared. So they eat the meal together. Now, after the meal, Jesus looked over at Pete, and he said, Simon Peter, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now, what a question. And Peter said to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love you. And Jesus said to him, Then feed my lambs. And in verse 16, he said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said to him the second time, you know, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, then feed my sheep. And then he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Now, Pete was getting a little perturbed about this time. Okay? He was grieved because he said to him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said to him, and, and I believe he kind of said it in a not a nice so way, okay? Lord, thou knowest everything. You know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Then Pete, feed my sheep. Now, th this is some important stuff here. When they had finished eating, Jesus directs his focus on Peter, and he asks them this most important question. Uh, here's the gist of the uh, sermon this morning. He asked them the question I think we all need to ask ourselves this morning. Do you love me? Do you love me? In essence, how strong is your love for the Lord this morning? How much do you really love the Lord this morning? So Jesus reinstates Peter with details that takes him back to his denial. I mean, this whole incident is Jesus taking Peter right back to when he denied him. Let's break this down. Clearly, this account is designed to parallel that scene of Peter's three-time denial of Jesus. And we can see it in, in, in a, a, a number of different ways here. First of all, both took place by a charcoal fire. Okay? If you remember, it was while Peter was warming himself by the fire, okay, that, that, that he was asked, don't you, aren't you a part of this guy? Don't you know this man? And it was around that charcoal fire that Peter denied his Lord three times. Now here on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, standing beside or sitting beside a charcoal fire, supplied by uh, uh, Peter, uh, by, by Jesus, excuse me, Peter again affirms his love three times. Is that a coincidence? No. Jesus has all of this planned out. Both involved a threefold statement. Three times Peter denied his Lord, and three times he's asked 
to affirm his love. All right, there's two words. Here's where we're going to break this down. If you miss everything else in the service this morning, stay awake through this and then go to sleep, okay? Look, here's what I want you to see here. There's two words, two words that is used for love in this passage of Scripture, okay? Jesus uses the word agape twice, and then he descends to Peter's use of the word phileo. Now, let me explain what I mean by that, okay? There's, I think, five or six different words for love in the New Testament, but two of them that is used most often is agape, which is a sacrificial love. And the other is phileo, which is a brotherly love. Now, as you look at this dialogue they are having here, again, Jesus uses the first word, agape, twice. Then he descends to Peter's use of the word phileo. And each time Peter answers Jesus, Peter's answering him with the word phileo. In other words, here's how the conversation went. I'm going to paraphrase the conversation for you. Remember, agape is sacrificial love. Phileo is brotherly love. So let me paraphrase the uh, conversation. Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you agape me more than these? So what was Jesus saying? Do you love me with a sacrificial love more than you do these things? Peter's answer was, don't miss this, Lord, you know I phileo you. Whoa. Is that what Jesus asked him? No, Jesus said, do you agape me? Do you have a sacrificial love for me? Peter's answer was, well, I've got a brotherly love for you, a phileo love. So Jesus asked him the second time, Peter, do you agape me more than these? You see what Jesus is trying to do? He's trying to get Peter to really take a good look at himself. He says, Peter, do you agape me more than these? And Peter answers him again, Lord, you know I phileo you. So Jesus, the third time, uses Peter's word. Do you phileo me? And Peter says, you know I phileo you. So what was Peter saying? Lord, I don't love you with a sacrificial love, but I do love you with a brotherly love. How do you love Jesus this morning? How do you truly love Jesus this morning? You see, a lot of people, a lot of people within our churches, they phileo Jesus. They love him with a brotherly love, but they do not agape him. Are you with me? They do not agape him with a sacrificial love love don't want to slam nobody and I'm not going to slam nobody but you know when there's something that means more to you and something you feel more is important to you than your time of corporate worship on Sundays I would question whether you have an agape love for Jesus Christ Because if you did, he would be where he's told you to be, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together in the manner of some is. 
who's those some? Those who really only have a phileo love for him. You see, if we have an agape love for Jesus Christ, nothing's going to be more important than our time with him. With the disciples, what were more important than their time with him? Fishing. Fishing. So a lot of people, you know, they say they love Jesus, but it's like Peter here. It's a phileo love. But they're not willing to agape him in, in order to make sacrifices to serve him. And that's what Jesus is trying to get Peter to see about himself. Yes, Peter. Yes, Peter. You know, you love me. But it's only a phileo love. Peter, you do not agape me. You're not willing to sacrifice these things for me. That's why he said, Pete, do you agape me more than these? Now, we're going to look at what these was here in just a moment. Because all of us have some these in our lives. Now, both of these refer to Peter's view of himself. Now, don't miss this. Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Hmm. These. Now, commentators, when you kind of study this, you'll find that commentators have a guessing game here, really, about what the word these is making reference to. You know, some commentators will say these is making reference here, you know, to the fish. Pete, we done sucked all the meat off these bones, okay? Do you love me more than these fish? Some commentators will say, no, Jesus looked out there and he said, he seen the nets and the boats and he said, you know, do you love me more than these? In other words, all the nets and the boats. Others would say, Peter, what, what he meant was, you know, Peter, do you love me more than this business of fishing? Those are three things you'll find. But there's a fourth thing you'll find, and I, I kind of I gravitate to this fourth thing that I believe is here. If you remember before the denial of Peter, he inferred that he loved Jesus more than the rest of the disciples. Okay? In fact, his words were this, Though all men forsake you, Lord, I am willing to lay down my life for you. That's what Peter said. Though all these other disciples, these other disciples, though they may forsake you, Lord, I'll be with you all the way. I'll even lay down my life for you. Clearly, he regarded himself as more faithful and more committed than these other disciples who he thought would abandon the Lord. Who abandoned the Lord? He did. So I think when Jesus said, Peter, do you love me more than these? It could have been talking about the fish. It could have been talking about the boats and nets. It could have been talking about the business of fishing. But because of what Peter had said, Lord, I will be with you. Though they all forsake you, I will not forsake you. And I think what Jesus done, I looked at the disciples and said, do you love me more than these guys? Do you love me more than them, Peter? Because he had done built himself up as, I'm going to be there right with you. But here on the beach, Peter has learned some painful but necessary lessons. Now, 
He doesn't judge himself in his relationship with others, but what he does now is looks deep within his own heart. Yes, Lord, you know I phileho you. Yes, Lord, you know I phileho you. Lord, you know everything. You know I phileho you. Now he realizes there is no agape love for Jesus in his heart. He now realizes there's only a phileho love in his heart. Again, I asked you, if you say you love Jesus, what kind of love do you have for him? Do you have an agape love where you're, you're, you know, you're committed to him? That you're willing to sacrifice your time, your talents, your tithes, your, everything to him? Or do you just have a phileo love? You know what phileo love allows us to do? Serves him when it's convenient. When it's convenient. That's a phileo love. That's what it allows us to do. Now, Jesus says to Peter here, Peter, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Okay? Now, I believe we can see three aspects here of feeding in this command of Jesus. First of all, feed my lambs. I think Jesus was saying, you know, feed and teach the little children. You know, don't wait for them to grow up. Teach the children from the Word of God what life is all about. Listen, are you teaching your children what is right and wrong from the standpoint of the Word of God? Or are you teaching your children right, is wrong, right or wrong from the standpoint of society? I'm afraid that too many parents today are teaching their children the difference in right and wrong from the standpoint of society. If society accepts it, it's right. If society doesn't accept it, then it's wrong. Let me tell you, society is accepting everything that is against the Word of God. So if that's the standpoint of which you're teaching your children, you're teaching your children to be anti-God. So he says then, Teach your children, teach the little ones, feed these lambs, but feed them the word of God. Then he says, shepherd my sheep. That simply means to watch over them and guard them. Look, in Peter's first letter, he says to the elders whom he wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, watching out for them. Where did Peter get this idea of feeding the flock? <laughs> From Jesus on that shore that night. He says, try to discern where they are. You know, do your best to stop the, the coming dangers that's going to come upon them. Ward them and guard them. And folks, this is the work of a shepherd. Now again, as the head of your home, you are the shepherd of your home. Finally, feed my sheep. In other words, continue teaching the mature sheep. You see, the instrument of feeding uh, is the teaching of the Word of God. This is the instrument of which we feed. So Jesus is saying to Peter, if you truly love me, Peter, teach the little children, watch over them, and continue feeding the grown ones. Look, help open the minds and the thoughts, their minds to the th and thoughts to God. And this is where I believe is the missing element in both the church and Christian families today. The Word of God is not being instilled in our children when they're young. Look, I'm convinced that one reason 
that immorality is invading our nation at the rate it's invading our nation, and not only our nation, but also our churches, is that because the Word of God is not being proclaimed as it should. The lambs are not being taught the Word of God. The newly converted sheep are not being instructed as to what is and what isn't sin. And the mature sheep, here's the bad problem. The mature sheep are beginning to accept what society approves. How sad. How sad. You see, the weakness of the church flows from a famine of the Word of God. Look, people are not thinking the thoughts of God, not looking at the life, their life as, 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 and following God, but they're following blindly after the fantasies and the illusions of this world. And I believe the main reason for this is because our churches are full of people who phileo Jesus, but they do not agape Jesus. I'll say that again. I think the main problem is our churches are full of Peters. Prior to the beach incident we looked at today, who phileo Jesus. Again, a phileo love is a love of convenience. When it's convenient, I'll be at church. When it's convenient, I'll be involved in ministry. When it's convenient, I'll tithe. When it's convenient, I'll give of my time. That's phileo. And I think our churches lack people who agape him. Look, Jesus is saying that preaching and teaching the word of truth in this mixed up world, and let me tell you, we're living in a mixed up world in my humble opinion. But preaching and teaching the truth of the word of God in this mixed up world like ours will call for sacrificial love for Christ, an agape love, not a phileo love, not a phileo love. Look, after this encounter on the shore, I believe when Jesus made Peter take a good deep look at himself and Peter finally realized, I only phileo Jesus. I think that this encounter caused Peter to finally turn to an agape love as he finally obeyed the Lord and he ultimately laid down his life for the Lord. You see, he wouldn't have laid down his life if his phileo hadn't turned to agape. But when you study church history, you find out that, you know, Peter was crucified. He was crucified. But the only difference is he did not feel he was worthy to be crucified like Christ. So at his request, he was crucified upside down. Upside down. Now, folks, that's agape love. That's agape love. Where's your love this morning? What kind of love do you have this morning for Jesus Christ? Is it an agape love where you're willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to, to follow him? Or is it just a phileo love where if it's convenient, 
pastor, I'll be involved in a ministry. If it's convenient, pastor, I'll be at church. You know, if it's convenient, pastor, I'll give of my tithe. If it's convenient, pastor, I'll do what I should. Vallejo. Don't be a Peter post this meeting with Jesus. I mean, pre this meeting with Jesus. Be a Peter that's post meeting with Jesus. Now, look, if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, you, you have no idea what we're talking about this morning when it comes to love. But he so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And if you want to experience agape love, you experience by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior because there's no greater love than this that a man would lay down his life for his friend. No greater love than agape love. So if you're here this morning and you've never accepted him as your personal Savior, we want to give you that opportunity this morning. We're going to have a song of invitation. And when we stand for that song, why not just come up? Let us explain it to you more deeply. Maybe you're here this morning and you realize, <laughs> I'm not even sure I got a phileo love for him, you know. I, uh, mine may even be lower than that. But if you're here this morning and you are saved, but you're not loving God the way you should, you don't have an agape love for him. You realize that this morning, that there's always something else taking up your time or your tithe, or whatever it might be. Don't love it more than you love Jesus. Let's pray.